Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. It is the Batter Up Podcast, and it's honestly a pleasure to be with you because of the fact that we actually have some sort of baseball to talk about. Baseball comes back this week. Braves are reporting on Wednesday. There will be workouts beginning Friday, and then a couple of weeks from Friday, we should have some baseball on the field scheduled to appear. We say hello on the Batter Up Podcast as yours truly, Willie P., is joined by the great Joe Patrick. So happy we have baseball to talk about. Actual Braves baseball. And the also equally awesome Caleb Johnson. What's going on? So um, I understand that the tenor of our last podcast, (laughs) it was right in the, basically right in the afterglow of just the back and forth and the tension and the the announcement that came from MLB and the Players Association that we were going to basically just pant and stomp and all that stuff and be angry about the fact that there was a an imposed season. Now that we've had a week to kind of calm ourselves down, I'll start with you, Joe. Are you at a point now where you have uh, taken away the residual bitterness and are actually looking forward to this brave season? I think so, for me, yeah. Uh, it's I, I always go back to what Andy says on uh, Andy Bunker, on Andy and Randy, um, where he's like, you know, you can be really bitter about baseball, and I definitely was during the negotiations. Still don't have a good feeling about how they went down, all of that stuff. In fact, they never even came to an agreement, so there's that. But I'm just like, at the end of the day, I just I just love baseball. So it's not like, <laughs> it's like I'll, I'll, I will be one of those people who always comes back. Um, and right now I'm feeling like happy that we finally have some baseball on the horizon now granted we should like caveat this off the top that this whole thing could get shut down seemingly at any moment you know who knows with, with the whole covid situations really kind of throw throwing a um a wrench into things right now but i'm happy i'm happy we're gonna get baseball and a lot of those feelings are kind of subsided now joe i think you uh you, you kind of took my job today of of throwing the wrench into the plans and kind of being the Debbie Downer of things. <laughs> I, f- I feel like that's, uh, for the last few weeks, has kind of been the role that I've taken. 
uh, <laughs> up until the point that I keep replaying the moment. Like, I think it was two weeks ago that I was like, you know what? I'll just watch something else. So, like, because I'd, I'd honestly just gotten to the point of, of not caring. And now baseball's back, and I'm like, what? What? Who was that guy? Who? No. <laughs> I don't know who that is. I'm so excited for Braves baseball. Where's my jersey? Let me throw on my jersey. You know, I. Yeah, it's it's good that we actually have things to look forward to, and uh, plenty plenty to I guess debate and also try to to put something together with. As now we have we don't have an, a specific schedule, but knowing who we're going to play and how many games uh, is is big for trying to figure out what the Braves look like in 2020. I'm gonna be mad until they throw a pitch. That's just me. I'm going to be angry until they because I'm still – I don't want to say not convinced that it won't start on time, but I have my pessimisms like both you, Joe, and you, Caleb, have when it comes to, you know, whether or not this is going to go off without a hitch. Uh, we've said the entire time the reasons that they're doing this are not for the safety of the players. It's more because of the money. Uh, I'm not saying that I don't want it to happen. I want baseball back. I want them to play. But I have some significant doubts about the health protocols and some of the latest spikes in those type of things. But assuming we do get up off the ground on the 23rd of July, looking at the 56-player pool that the Braves put out there, Joe, what stands out to you in terms of surprises, guys who were included you didn't expect, and also who might benefit the most, especially from these guys who might be on the borderline of that 30-person roster that opens and the taxi squad that will result from it? A couple things were surprising to me. We can talk about individual players a little bit later. It was interesting that they brought seven catchers, including Logan Brown and Jonathan Morales, like uh, from the depths of, of the minor league system. Now, but, you know, after thinking about it and kind of talking to some people about it, it actually makes a lot of sense because you can't just have random people catching these guys. Like when True. you bring them into the squad – because of all the health concerns, like they have to be a part of this thing and you can't just like bring in outside people to come catch pitchers. So you really need catchers to just facilitate your pitchers, getting getting all the pitchers you need ready to go for the start of this season. So I think that with some of these guys, like we'll see that we will not see, obviously we won't see them uh, with the Braves major league team on like the, the main active 30 man roster. And I think you could just see some of these guys DFA'd at some point because the roster rules are really interesting around all this, and I don't think we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of it because we kind of limit this thing to 30 minutes. But when it comes to, like, adding guys to certain – like, the 40-man roster, the 30-man active roster, there's, like, lots of um, intricacies that are going to be a difficult to kind of dance around for a lot of Major League Baseball teams, I feel like. But uh, mm -hmm. anyway, some of these catchers, it was just surprising to see seven of them and 30 pitchers. So just like you can tell where the Braves focus is right now, just based on this list, the fact that, you know, 37 guys were essentially devoted to getting this pitching staff ready. Yeah, I was very surprised myself to see it, uh, at least from the standpoint of, of which pitchers were, were put on there. The fact that you do have uh, the first-round draft pick from this season, Jared Schuster, on that list, him being the yeah. only person uh, amongst the, the 2020 first-year player draft selections. Not necessarily that he's going to be a, uh, a contributor this year, but I think the one thing that Alex Anthopoulos said in his conversation with us in the media last week was that they were going to maybe have some more prospects, have the ability to be up there on that level. 
I was surprised that, that I guess I mean I knew some of the guys that were going to be up there that were slam dunks, you know, guys like Tukey and Bryce and people like that, you know, got guys who who kind of already had opportunities to have themselves solidified on that roster and I think Pache and Waters were no-brainers, but uh, I was I guess I expected more of the prospects. Caleb, what was your I guess take on on the the roster that was uh, released late Sunday night? I guess my whole thing is what what did we really expect? You have 60 slots, and you're trying to get... Having the young guys, the guys you just recently drafted, makes all the sense in the world because they've had no contact in person, I I would think, unless it was some kind of unsanctioned practices or whatever. They've had no contact with their teammates. And so by bringing them in on this 60-man roster... You're acclimating them with the guys that you hope to see them playing with in just a couple of years. And I think going down, I, I hadn't even thought about the, the catcher idea of having to bring somebody in because you're going to need them for pitchers, but that makes all the sense in the world. But then just the fact of it's not like catcher is a real solidified position for the Braves. I mean, we know Darno. um, is going to be there to kind of take over and flowers will back him up uh but seeing what you've got in your future can't hurt uh especially when there's just so much i mean we've already been through so much i feel like with trying to get a season started so seeing what you've got in in the the guys that you have and and this is really kind of put value on on who you have I, I did think, and Will, you touched on this, uh, the the prospect in terms of the prospects being on this list. Uh, you know, I, I think that teams, well, at least what the Braves are doing here, what they're really signaling by with the the fifty six man pool that they've composed here, is that they're really investing this time into, uh, or they're investing into their young players who have a lot of potential by bringing them in and making them part of this camp. There's not a lot of like you know, your veteran minor league guys. Like, there are a couple. Pete, Pete O'Brien is, like, your classic... Uh, workout guy. hero. Every, every, yeah, every every spring training is his World Series. Um, and you never know. Maybe he, like, actually develops some uh, some ability to, to make contact regularly because he's got a little bit of power. But you've got a, a few of those guys. But a lot of this is, like, you know, you bring in Drew Waters. Not necessarily because I think we're going to see Drew Waters this year. Uh, but I think that it benefits him greatly, and you want to invest in him, in in like not letting him sit around and just trying to do his own kind of workouts. Like bring him into an actual structure, get him playing every day, whether even if it's just like instructional baseball or whatever. Um, and I think that that's what I think we'll see a lot of teams do uh, when it comes to these uh, their player pools that they're putting together. Yeah, you mentioned the future of the catching position, Caleb. Uh, the future is Shea Langoliers, the former Baylor Bear, and the fact that he is part of this camp, as part of that seven-catcher group, I think this will be a good time for them to take a look at him and see just exactly what they have. Not only handling some of the big league pitchers, they might bring him over from Gwinnett a couple of days a week. That's kind of one of the things that Alex Anthopoulos said is going to be paramount with regards to how they split things up. They're going to have most of the major league guys in Atlanta and have uh, the minor league guys in Gwinnett. Of course, one of the biggest question marks right now is something the Braves haven't had to think about before this year. Alex Anthopoulos talking about the implementation of the DH for the first time in the National League. 
you know, we felt like, you know, we had guys having a really good camp from Riley, Camargo, both. They both deserve to be the starting third baseman. It was a good problem to have. And our outfielders, you know, Nick Marquez was having a great camp. And obviously Adam, Adam Duvall and all these guys were, were playing well. So it opens up at bats and playing time for all these guys because it was going to be a challenge. I know that something that's it, um, you know, going through spring training was just one of those things where just, you, know, you felt like all these guys deserve to play. How are you going to get them in and out and get them all playing time? I think now with the DH, uh, we'll be able to give guys days if they need it. Uh, if guys are banged up and they can't take the field, but they could still be in the lineup and hit. We have the ability to do do that as well. So I think the fact that we have the depth that, that we do, we're in a good position. That is when uh, Alex Anthopoulos, the Braves president and GM, joined Dukes and Bell, our 92.9 The Game and Radio.com program. It's uh, a different type of thing. I've always wondered if maybe a slower rollout for the DH from the inevitable time that we were going to have the DH in the National League would be better for teams that could actually find someone who's dedicated to be there. But in terms of how the Braves will utilize this, guys, I think that they are very well set to do it because of the fact that they were in a situation where, like Alex Antopoulos said, they were going to have a hard time finding at-bats for a lot of those guys. There was going to be a bit of a logjam in terms of their position players who can handle the bat. Yeah, I actually am really fascinated at how this is going to work with the Braves. I think the Braves are set up not just well for it, but like in an interesting way because you can use it in so many different ways. We've talked a lot about uh, you know wanting to get at-bats for Austin Riley, Johan Camargo, kind of those two were the two guys battling it out in spring camp, and you want to make sure you can get at-bats for them. And with the DH, obviously you can do that. But also you can do things like resting Freddie Freeman and not having him like run around the bases and having to play, you know, play in the field. Um, you could put Austin Riley there. He's played a little bit of first base. Uh, you could remove Ronald Acuna would be a perfect guy to like DH every once in a while. I mean, these guys are going to be playing a lot of games. There will be hardly be any rest dates uh, on the calendar because the, you know, they want to get in as many games as possible. So I think the Braves have tons of options and they have tons of ways they can mix and match going, um, you know, matchup dependent uh, playing matchup dependent guys Nick Marcake is hitting against righties that kind of thing uh, I know a lot of fans are probably going to be wary of Nick Marcakis um getting the DH spot too often and I I am also <laughs> concerned about that because uh, he is definitely one of Snit's guys but I think there's just tons of interesting ways the Braves can use this so I hate to to be the the Mike Francesa that like looks down the list and goes, that's a win, that's a loss, that's a win, that's a loss. But I went down the National League and was looking, trying to, just from a, like, a general sense, look at rosters. And I think the Braves, maybe, maybe the Dodgers, but out of the National League, I feel like the Braves are the most set up to handle this universal DH the best. Like like I said, like maybe the Dodgers with with the squad that they've been able to put together, but it just seems to the Braves' benefit that they have so many options. The place that I get really fearful is that it is in the hands of Snit, and so oh, <laughs> and so where you know does it come down to who's playing best, or does it come down to who he's most comfortable with? I think those will be the things that we're pulling our hair out in a couple of months over. Uh, but as far as options, like we've said before, I think the Braves, they have the most inviting options available. 
So to your point, Caleb, it's really interesting. Uh, Alex Anthopoulos and Brian Snicker have always had a really good working relationship. And For honestly, sure. Anthopoulos leaves a lot of it to Snicker. Like, Anthopoulos basically sees his job and the job of, like, the analytics department is to, like, compile the information, get it ready, allow the manager to use it. You know, like, give it to him, explain it to to the manager so that he knows how to use this information. And just, but let him have the autonomy to use it if he wants. And... And that's how they've run. Sometimes Snicker likes some, you know, he'll maybe he takes advantage of some stats, some data. Maybe he doesn't. I do wonder, in the context of a sixty-game season, whether that dynamic changes at all. Whether there's like more pull or or leeway in terms of what you know, like the demands are from the manager in this situation. Oh, I I guarantee you, it's going to be different. I think that there's going to be a lot more input and more imploring from double a to brian snitker uh he was very sheepish and uh very quick to point out that you know he was part of an organization in toronto that of course dealt with the dh and something that he's very familiar with not that it's a terribly foreign concept because let's be real the only particular league over the last couple of years that has used the DH at the National League. So it's not like you don't have to go through and Brian Snickers managed in this organization elsewhere in places where they've needed a DH in the minor leagues and whatnot. So it's not like it's a foreign concept to him, but I almost feel like it's going to come down to some more analytically driven decisions. And you mentioned, uh, Caleb, the, the thought of guys who are resting, things of that nature. I think a guy like an Adam Duvall fits more into that category too as somebody who you really don't have a spot for him in the everyday lineup in the field if you are going to have kind of a left to right of you know those those three guys that we basically think are going to be there which of course are Azuna and Acuna and you know pick your poison between Ender and Ciarte and Nick Marcakis depending on who ends up making it out there in that final pairing I just finally think that the Braves have a solution for a lot of those issues that they were talking about during the spring. And you also throw into the fact that on the infield, you had a, a two-headed monster and Johan Camargo and Austin Riley, who you really didn't know exactly what you were going to get out of that position at third base, who was going to be the person who won that job. You don't have to declare a winner now. Right, exactly. And to your point about uh, Doovy, um you know, uh, I've heard some Braves fans kind of mentioning or just like asking one, asking maybe wondering about the question out loud about Yasiel Puig. He's like the big free agent that's still out there, and some teams are looking at him. I think Adam Duvall gives you a lot of what Puig would offer in terms of like right. being a pretty athletic defensive outfielder, has power, um, can hit situationally. I I'm with you. I think Duvall's like kind of the perfect player to have in this kind of a situation. We saw how big he came up for the Braves last year in the postseason. He had Streaky that big home run. Too. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Uh, so if he gets hot, he's a guy you could definitely put in there and, pl- and and plug in there and just ride him out. Would Cargo be somebody you'd entertain? Because he just got put on the trading or put on the market. I don't know. Like, so this it's going to be really interesting. And we talked about this a little bit. I tend to think that uh, like the trade market is going to be. Uh, diminished the, the the trade deadline obviously is pushed back a month it's now going to be August 31st instead of July 31st I feel like there's been some diverging opinion on this some people think that it will be quite active I'm kind of on the other end of that saying that I don't think that teams are going to want to be able to or want to give up a lot just because there are so many uncertainties around this season 
So, on that note, I heard Alex Anthopoulos, he was on this past week on the MLB Network Radio, uh, talking about the trade deadline. And I found it very interesting that if there's been anything made clear that Alex Anthopoulos is going after a championship this season, he was vehemently, like, he was adamant, I should say, that the Braves were going to be active in the trade market. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was rather interesting, knowing that it'll be August 31st, where are the Braves at at that point? But it seems like, like AA wants a championship this year. While there's plenty of people out there who are talking about, well, will there be an asterisk next to the season? Will we really look at it the same? Well, no, we won't. Oh, it doesn't matter. AA wants that championship T-shirt mm-hmm. and hat. And he doesn't care how it comes. And he he alluded to that too when uh, he spoke Wednesday to the Braves media on the conference call. He uh, he basically expected that uh, they're going to be teams that feel like they want to add, uh, especially at the end of August. He was not sh- he was not shy about that. And because of that, I think that you are going to see a different type of situation because of that. And even a guy like Gonzalez who just got released. I mean, you know, there's going to be a lot of these teams that you know don't have certain guys on that pool that are going to be attractive, you know, take a flyer on type options. What What's just really fascinating about this, there's so many interesting things about the fact that we're now playing a 60-game season instead of a 160-game season. And one of them is kind of just like around the trade deadline. It's like when you get to the trade deadline, there are going to be so many teams that are still in it that's you know that, that think they might still have a chance because, you know, the, the divisions are just not going to have the natural separation that they normally would. I, in fact, I was kind of funny. I was thinking back yesterday. I was like, I wonder when's the last time the Orioles were uh, tied for first place in the division with 60 <laughs> games left. You right. know, it's like, <laughs> or the Marlins, you know. Um, it's funny how many teams are just like that much closer to possibly, you know, making it to the playoffs. But I just do think that it's going to be more difficult for teams to kind of clearly assess what their needs are um, through, like, I don't know how, I haven't looked, I, we don't have the schedule, obviously, but I don't know how many games will have been played before that trade deadline. But uh, there's just going to be less data points out there, you know, for our teams to kind of reference and make decisions on. One thing that Double A spoke about on Wednesday as well is the use of the rotation through the first 10 games, first couple times through. Uh, you do have a 30-man roster through the first two weeks, then it goes down to 28, and then back to 26. Tyler Flowers also spoke on Friday about how the Braves' deep rotation can be an advantage for them early on. I think that is something that, that maybe we have an upper hand in, just with all the talented arms we have, that we are maybe afforded a, a better opportunity than most. Uh, to really not lose as much, even though some of our guys aren't going to be able to go as deep. We have a number of guys that are are capable of similar things, and you combine a couple of them together, uh, you know, we might end up with, you know, having seven starters that end up going four innings apiece, which would be great. I do think that early on, guys, you're going to see some doubling up. Uh, Guys aren't stretched out yet. You might see, you know, a Soroka-Wilson or a Soroka-Wright combo and then a a Freed-Wilson or a Toussaint, you know, Newcomb type situation. I think Nuke kind of gets screwed in this whole thing personally, guys, unfortunately. But uh, it's – I think it's an intriguing way to start. It's going to look very – spring training e to to start the regular season because you guys aren't stretched out yet i don't know if we'll get starters going longer than four innings until maybe maybe the last 20 games is that outside the realm of possibility 
it just seems like with everything being so condensed that you just not not that you don't want to risk it but that you would just feel more comfortable especially kind of building this formula of having starters go three four innings and then having those long relievers and i said it i i remember and it's one of those things that i will hold on to is yes i do believe that that uh, sean newcomb will end up getting screwed over and all of this because i think he's going to become snit's dependable long reliever option or that sixth and seventh uh starter just because he's shown that ability in the past i guess or he's just kind of at the end of the at the at the end of the line and this is of course all depending on what felix hernandez does what cole hamels does uh, but it just seems it seems to me that yeah, it'll be a, a strange spring training look for what I would say is is a dominant portion of the season. Yeah, it's a tough one for Nuke because he performed well last year in a bullpen role, but that's not a role that he wants to be in. Like he made it no. pretty clear to the media last year that like he sees himself as a starter. I think the Braves see him as a starter as well long term. That's where they would want him to be. But last year, because of the circumstances, he wasn't performing well, but he was performing much better in this bullpen role. It just worked out for him. And the Braves have seen success with players like that in that role in the past. Max Fried has um, attributed a lot of his improvements, over, especially last year, to his role in the bullpen the year before, just saying that it's helped him focus batter by batter, not trying to worry about what's going to happen in the next inning or innings down the line. Uh, but I was you know, looking at some of Newcomb's uh, his pitching log last year, out of the bullpen, and he really was not used as a long reliever. The Braves didn't have that many lefty arms, so he was more of like a setup type of guy. He only threw, um, I think, two innings was his longest relief appearance last season. Obviously, he had some longer appearances when he was starting games earlier in the year, but uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. He may have had like one where he came in and did like a long relief, but. Um, mm-hmm. He generally was not like a long reliever like we saw out of like Josh Tomlin. Uh, but I do think that this year you may see that kind of conversion happen. Him be more of a guy who's relied upon to go more innings just because he's his, his arm is more accustomed to having done that as a starting pitcher. But I do think it's going to be just very interesting, fascinating to see how this uh, pitching staff is managed in terms of not only how they're used off the top, because I think we all know that they're going to kind of do a lot of that piggybacking type of thing. But then when the squad gets reduced from 30 players down to 28 players after two weeks, and then from 28 to 26 after two more, um, are, do they try, do they try to pare down those, those guys that they plan on doing some longer relief or do they keep those guys on? Um, because they might be needed. I, I don't know how they're going to manage this, and I don't know if Alex Anthopoulos knows right now. I think he might be just trying to like play it by ear a little bit um, and just see how things progress. Joe, every time you mention Josh Tomlin, it always has this little bit of a negative tinge. To, what do you have against What do you have against the White House Texas native? Tell no, me. He, Wait, who hurt like, you? Snicker loves him because he just throws strikes. And I think that Braves fans, I think a lot of them loved him because he threw strikes last year because Braves had so much, especially early in the season, Braves pitching staff had so much trouble with their command. And he was at least some somebody who could come in and actually put the ball over the plate. Um, and that's why Snicker loves him. And, you know, he I, I actually lo- like that he admits that he's like, I'm nothing special. <laughs> he's like, he admits he's that not. like what he can do is he can throw the ball over the plate and let the, uh, you know, let the defense do work behind him. He's just like, he's a classic guy that you honestly want on the team. I just find it kind of funny to, 
you know, I have to have my people on every team I cover to kind of pick at. So, well, you know, Josh is a guy who he won't remember this, but we shared buses in his first minor league stop in Kinston, North Carolina, and my first stop in mm. the broadcasting business. So, Grinding I'll always teeth. have I'll always have a special spot in my heart for him. And I'll be damned if I'm going to sit here and let you sully his name. Super <laughs> nice guy. Super nice, nice guy. One of my favorites to talk to in the, in the Braves clubhouse, for sure. He's, Dad was a nice guy, too. He's along the same lines, because when I first thought of Josh Tomlin, those that's one of those names that I thought, by the time we're getting down to like the 26-man roster, might not be there. Maybe that's, I don't know if that's too hot take or whatever. But then those other guys like what if Brian Snicker has anything to say about it. <laughs> yeah, see, I don't, I don't know. I when it comes to when it comes to like Tomlin and uh, Sub, I was thinking Tomlin, uh, Sabatka, um, and oh, who is the guy who's not going to be getting paid this season? Uh, uh, Grant, Grant Dayton, Grant Dayton, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, Grant's already got his his salary for the season. That seems so weird. Like he's playing for free now, which just I mean, obviously if not I for never free, see Chad but... Sabatka again, I'd be fine with it. Yeah, his he's the stuff of nightmares. Yeah, like he's those very very slappy. Especially now with a three batter minimum to have well, Oh yeah. Usually yeah. with Chad Sabatka, you know exactly how it's going to go after three pitches, <laughs> whether he's going to strike out the side or That or was have something our, our, disaster. our good friend Bob Nightingale who I had on uh I think last Friday He's angry about that three batter minimum thing being a part of of the rules still this year. I almost think that that seems antithetical to what the Braves, or at least what Major League Baseball is trying to do, and yeah. you know that might have a, an adverse effect on a guy like Sabatka and others. I love it. I love it. <laughs> the reason why I love it, many, but first being you're a that career killer. That's why you love will, it. Well, no, I just the. Look, I, I get the specialization thing. Like, it's an, it's a part of the game or has been. It's just so annoying. It stretches out the game. It makes things longer. And it causes managers to so overthink the game. And if there was anyone who overthought how he used his relievers, especially those one batter guys, was our, our buddy Brian Snicker. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love Snit, but that was just one of those roles where he consistently overthought things and would get the Braves in in trouble and now that he doesn't have that option and so you're you're having to base things on who am I going to send out who I know can get you know three batters out okay now we're working with something a little bit better and yes unfortunately that might end the careers of a Sabatka or a Dayton I guess just to kind of, uh, I well, I don't want to wrap up the conversation pre, um, preemptively, but like I think essentially what the Braves are going to want to do with this pitching staff is essentially have like your normal bullpen that will take that are used to taking over games in the sixth inning, seventh inning, that kind of thing. Have them be in their roles during those for those innings, but then you have this like subsect of your bullpen that's like a bullpen slash starting pitcher that helps your starting pitchers get to that kind of normal regimented 
uh, a bridge framework. Yeah, yeah, essentially be a bridge. But but it allows you to keep your Chris Martins, your Mark Melanson's, your Shane Greens, keep them in the you know you can keep them in their customary roles where the, that they're used to pitching in the seventh, eighth, ninth inning. But then just readjust some guys you know earlier, and then when you do have to pare down those rosters, you can try to figure out better like which guys we need to move, remove, whether it's the longer relievers or or other guys on the roster. I'm just happy to see Darren O'Day on the on the roster because for the longest time he was in witness protection in 2019. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that man is getting paid. Yeah, yeah just, he is. He is enjoying it. Do you think defined roles for the back end guys or is it committee? How do you, or do you sure, think it's situational? I sure hope it's defined because I think that's that I mean that's honestly seven eight and nine if you're if you're bouncing around being like well let's see uh, I don't know who we're gonna try out today just you know is it is it will Smith today or nah not really feeling him today is it Chris Martin today <laughs> you know no yeah if if there's not consistency after I would say what the first let me let me put another number on it. The first twenty games, if you don't have that solidified, then you're in a lot of trouble. The one thing I was curious to kind of ask you guys about was do the Braves weigh their NL East opponents any differently than they do AL East? Or like do you do you look at rest any different, you know, out of the division than you do within the division? Or is it just business as usual because we only have 60 games? You rest everybody against the Orioles. I'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the, still the Orioles and Marlins. Yeah, it was funny. I was just actually just listening to a friend's uh, podcast talking about this yesterday. I was like, guess who has the two hardest schedules in baseball? The Orioles and the Marlins because they can't play each other. Like, it's because they don't get to play <laughs> themselves, essentially. You know, it's like, so they have the most difficult schedules. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That'll be interesting. That's a good. That's a good point. I don't know if you do try to like rest some guys or get some different guys in there against those bad teams. I think you do prioritize the games inside the division more. I'll say that. I think even so. Though, yeah. Even though the games against the AL East theoretically, I think a lot of them will probably be harder than the ones you play inside the division because of the lack of familiarity and the fact that I just think some of those teams are better. But I do think that you have to prioritize games against the Nationals and the Phillies and the Mets before worrying about what happens with the Red Sox and Yankees. Yeah, I tend to agree. I tend to agree. I think we've hit our point, gentlemen. Um, If last week's mood was hostile, this week's mood was snarky. Uh, We'll see what the mood is when we come back next week as we will have already been almost a full week into summer camp. Or spring training. How 2.0. dare you say that? How dare you mock Major League Baseball by like calling it summer camp? I don't know if you saw John Heyman's thing. He was like oh, yeah. very. Well, they've got a sponsor behind it now. They, they you know, after after claiming that they're not going to make any money, the Major League Baseball uh, shills out there and the owners uh, put a sponsor on quote summer camp. So uh, <laughs> we don't need this negative spin. <laughs> just saying, you know, they they can't make it. any money. It. They can't make I any money. It. Those poor owners. Uh, <laughs> Everyone loves summer camp. Yeah. Be sure to download the Batter Up podcast wherever you get your podcasts, especially at the Radio.com app. Just click subscribe on Radio.com where you can li- uh, link to all of our Braves content and all of our 92.9 The Game content. For Joe Patrick, Caleb Johnson, I'm Will Pelagic, Willie P. Saying so long and thanks for listening to Batter Up, our Radio.com and 92.9 The Game exclusive. <sighs> 
Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.